तप्तजीवन कविरीत कलमशापहम श्रवणमंगल श्रीमदात भुवि ये So the last class we started the discussion on the gospel of Sri Ram Krishna. We were on the very first chapter. It is the seventy-seven page number seventy-seven, the very first chapter, the master and disciple, February eighteen eighty-two. We just read the portion where Sri Ramakrishna's first words, which Master Mahasaya have heard, that we read and we found that it actually is so simple words, but it has but it has such a profound meaning. It actually covers the entire gamut of our spiritual journey. We just read those lines of Sri Ramakrishna, and then we continue to the succeeding passages. Sri Ramakrishna said, "When hearing the name of Hari or Rama once, you shed tears, and your hair stands on end. Then you may know for certain that you do not have to perform such devotions as the Sandhya anymore. Then only will you have a right to renounce rituals, or rather, rituals will drop away of themselves. Then it will be enough." If you repeat only the name of Rama or Hari, or even simply Om, continuing, he said, the Sandhya merges in the Gayatri, and the Gayatri merges in Om. So, in the last class, we were discussing in details the ideas behind these words. That in the spiritual journey, though we may start with the rituals, the rituals do help us. the entire spiritual journey in one word is to traverse from the full mind the mind at present is full it has no even this little space for thoughtlessness like the monkey mind constantly it is in jumping from thought to thought so distracted full of worries tensions from that full mind we have to go to no mind and for that we need tools it's not possible just uh, by our will to go from the full mind to the no mind and all the tools which we require sri ramakrishna is indicating in this short passage yes at the beginning we need some rituals so that gradually the full mind at least gets restricted within that rituals and through that rituals your contemplation on the divine you are reducing the bandwidth of the mind which was spread out everywhere it's now just fixed into those activities as we know that the mind and the body is extremely related when my mind is restless it is almost impossible to sit quietly 
just see a small child so restless it speaks of the mind tremendous restless mind along with that with the body is also restless the mind is reflected in the body the relation of the mind and the body is just like a cup full of water you move the cup immediately the water moves so the body if the body is constantly in motion know it for certain the mind will be in motion so these two are interrelated to calm down the mind i have to gradually develop that asana sit quietly but it is not possible in a day so first what i am doing that yes as it is almost impossible for me to sit quietly i need some engagement yes engage in those rituals because as we were indicating they are through those rituals constantly i am sublimating my desires what i do in the rituals atmavat deva sevanam so whatever i like i offer to the divine i see the flower the beauty of the flower i like it instead of just plucking it and smelling it immediately we say don't smell it give it offer it to the divine if you like it if you like the flower the smell first offer it to the divine then you may take it as an consecrated flower and then of course you can have it as a prasadam you can have the flower you can have the all other this food offerings the delicacies which you like no harm in offering but the moment it becomes a consecrated food in your obsessions the the, the devotion is getting linked up is a law of association so that's how the rituals work and at last what happens when your mind gets more and more concentrated on the object of your worship on the deity of your worship the chosen ideal of your worship the ritual starts falling off automatically as sri ramakrishna in some other place gives a wonderful example that when the southern breeze starts blowing the hand fan falls off by itself in the sultry warm weather most probably you were using the hand fan to cool yourself down and suddenly the southern breeze breeze starts blowing and there is no need for the hand fan it falls off automatically so sri ramakrishna says the rituals falls off automatically when the southern breeze of devotion starts flowing in our life we develop that devotion the rituals then have no meaning they automatically fall off and now you are resorting to the name of the lord just see again that name is the tool from the full mind to go to that no mind we need those tools and gradually we find that even that name along with all the uh this uh, vija mantras it can be quite long when my mind gets extremely uh, uh intensely absorbed in the divine even to repeat the name of the lord it becomes a distraction so he says that at last to hold on to something we hold on to that omkara that's why we will find a wonderful thing that whatever may be your ishta the omkara is generally linked with the ishta's name so that when your mind gets extremely absorbed at least it has to hold on to something so at last it holds on to that omkara and that's how gradually you are as if 
reducing the bandwidth of your mind so that gradually it can enter into the more and more uh, intense state of the thoughtlessness. So that's the idea which we discussed in the last class. And now let us proceed with the gospel. M looked around. M looked around him with wonder and said to himself, what a beautiful place, what a charming man, how beautiful his words are. I have no wish to move from this spot. After a few minutes, he thought, let me see the place first. Then I will come back here and sit down. As he left the room with Sidhu, he heard the sweet music of the evening service arising in the temple from gong, bell, drum, and cymbal. He could hear music from the Nahabat too, at the south end of the garden. The sounds traveled over the Ganges, floating away and losing themselves in the distance. A soft spring wind was blowing laden with the fragrance of flowers. The moon had just appeared. It was as if nature and man together were preparing for the evening worship. Aim and Sidhu visited the 12 Shiva temples, the Radhakanta temple and the temple of Bhavatarini. And as Aim watched the services before the images, his heart was filled with joy. So you see that throughout the gospel, Aim will be describing the wonderful uh, surroundings of Dakshineshwar in which the gospel has, the, on the background of which the gospel has been set up. It's almost like in the Vaishnava literature, they speak of that Chinmay Shyam Chinmay Dham, that the Vrindavan is not just a geographical place. It is Chinmay. It is a conscious. It is just the real Vrindavan of which this Vrindavan, this material Vrindavan is just a projection. That is the Chinmaya. It is in the uh, realm of consciousness. It is in the realm of illumination. It is always there. When you read these wonderful descriptions of the Dakshineshwar, as, as has been narrated by the master in the gospel, the same idea comes that the Dakshineshwar is just not a geographical place. It is Chinmaya. It is as if conscious anywhere a devotee by closing his eyes just tries to contemplate that immediately it becomes as if palpably visible. Ramakrishna becomes here and now along with the Dakshineshwar. You can as if relate to the divine company with all his associations. Even now, the time, the space becomes immaterial because it is something Chinmaya. That's a wonderful description, which we find in the gospel again and again will be coming. On the way back to Sri Ramakrishna's room, the two friends talked. Sidhu told M that the temple garden had been founded by Rani Rashmani. He said that God was worshipped there daily as Kali, Krishna and Shiva. And that within the gates, many sadhus and beggars were fed. When they reached Sri Ramakrishna's door again, they found it shut. And Brinde, the maid standing outside, and the maid standing outside, M 
who had been trained in English manners and would not enter a room without permission, asked her, is the holy man in? Brinde replied, yes, he is in the room. The next conversation is very interesting. M, how long has he lived here? Brinde, oh, he has been here for a long time. M, does he read many books? Now this Brinde, this illiterate maidservant, the answer is something wonderful. Brinde, books, oh dear, no. They are all on his tongue. So that's the wonderful reply which Brinde gives, almost spontaneously, because that's what she's seeing. That here's a man who has not read any books, but constantly speaking of the divine, the entire encyclopedia of the Hindu religion as if is in his mind. So vast is his knowledge. So it's something wonderful. A person without reading the book can have that type of knowledge. It speaks of two things. One is the real knowledge is not academic. Knowledge is realization. But again and again, we have mentioned so many times that if you have not tested the mango, you may go on reading volumes about the test of mango. You may think you have understood the test of mango. You may start giving lecture on the test of mango. But at last of the day when you test the mango, immediately you will feel that what a waste of energy, waste of time I have done. That all these descriptions were not something which was erroneous, which was wrong. They were correct. But in no way I could have related to the real test of mango with all those descriptions. But the one who have tested the mango, for him, all those volumes are useless. The test of mango is something which is, as we were mentioning, as Shankaracharya says, karatala amala kavat. The divine truth has become something like a fruit in his hand. It is something palpable. So that's the first reason for which we find that Ramakrishna for the 12 years was going through the various spiritual practices. The entire gamut of the spiritual evolution was enlivened through his life. He passed through all the stages, that intense spiritual practices, and he came to the realization, the spiritual practices led to the realization, and the realization alone is knowledge. Knowledge is realization. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna had. So naturally, knowledge was something profusely coming out from the inner core of his being. There was no dearth of his, in his own words, Ma Rashthele then used to say that the divine mother is as if pouring out the knowledge. Rashthele uh, So that's the language which Sri Ramakrishna uses, that you don't have to read books. And another thing, Sri Ramakrishna himself has indicated that though we may have realization, at the same time, sometimes, it becomes very difficult to relate your realization. Swami Vivekananda in place has given a very nice example that sometimes the small child have realized something, but it doesn't have sufficient vocabulary to express it. Realization is there, but he cannot speak out because there's a lack of vocabulary. So it may happen with a realized soul that he has the realization, but as he or she is not acquainted with the 
terms used in the scriptures to relate that realization, he or she may find dearth of words. They may not find words. But in Ramakrishna's life, we find that so many parables, uh, the even quotations from the scriptures, he's speaking out. It doesn't speak only of the realization. It speaks that though he has not read, he has heard a lot. In the olden days, in the Indian villages, we say that no one has read. Most of the, the general population have not read the scriptures, the Vedanta, the Vedas. But there is something called oral tradition. All the truths of the Vedanta, that is being always uh, sung in the form of the Puranas, in the form of Ramayana, Mahabharata. And they are sung among the village folk in the form of, in the colloquial language, in the colloquial language, not in Sanskrit. And from that, we find that the entire nation, the India, even the common person, to a great extent, have a know-how of the scriptural knowledge. Though they have not read the scripture. It's a wonderful oral tradition. But in the life of Ramakrishna, and the thing is wonderful. The way, as per the context, he is bringing out those examples, the parables. Some of the parables are just from his own observation. It is not that it, he has read somewhere. He has, from his observation, he has seen something in the village. And from that, he's comparing it with the scriptural truths. There are many. How he got that wonderful capacity, which speaks something apart from the realization. So in Sanskrit, they speak of, there's a term called dhi. Even in the Gayatri Mantra, what we pray for is dhi. Dhi yo yo na prachodayat om. Dhi means dharana. We hear a lot, but we forget. At the time when we are in crisis, when the knowledge is required, it never comes to my mind. So my, in our life, some, again and again, we find that the knowledge which I most probably I have read but it is of no avail at the time of crisis. What it speaks of? That the dhi, the capacity of dharana to hold on to this knowledge, we lack that miserably. But Ramakrishna had that wonderful dhi. He himself, for the first time, when he was taken uh, to some studio for the photograph, in the olden days, you know, that for the photograph, there was a huge elaborate arrangement. And Sri Ramakrishna was minutely observing what's going on there. And he saw that there is a glass plate which is smeared with some chemical. And he asked before the photography photo was taken, he asked what it is for. So the photographer explained that this is the coat uh, we have to give on the glass so that when your reflection, your image, your, your form is reflected on the glass, this coating, which is behind the glass, that will retain your image. And immediately Ramakrishna, the master of examples, he says, that's the thing. Ordinary people's mind is just like a mirror. You stand in front of the mirror, your image can be seen. When we move out, the image is gone. Ramakrishna is giving that example. That ordinary mind is just like a mirror. And the realized soul, a person who has realized, who has realization, his mind is just like the photographic plate. 
you stand in front of it, your image is reflected there. You move out, it is retained. It's not lost. And that is the. Now the question comes that most probably Ramakrishna was born with that wonderful capacity. We are not born with that capacity. So, uh, so uh, in what way we can just think of really developing that capacity? We cannot, we are not equipped with that. But if we know the mechanism by which that these form, we will find that we all can actually have dhi. What was the reason for that wonderful dhi of Ramakrishna? In this life, we, in our life, we will find an interesting thing that to create an imprint in your mind, two factors are necessary. How to create an imprint in our mind? Repetition. That of course creates an imprint. When we do a thing again and again, it creates an imprint. And another is the focus. If you are intensely focused, you need not have to have too many repetitions. If you are focused, that gets imprinted in your mind immediately. If you are very focused, to give an example, suppose you are passing through the street, you are driving the car, and because of someone else's mistake, you were on the verge of a terrible accident. And you were saved. Somehow at last moment you were saved. Nothing happened. You were lucky enough. Throughout your life you will find a wonderful thing. What has happened? That entire scene that for that few seconds or few, most probably a minute, what has happened? At that time, the time as if has slowed down, the every details of it, you will never forget. Throughout your life, if anybody asks what happened that time, you will give a detailed description. So many things happen in our life. We forget, but that moment we never forget. What happened? Because of that, you know, that fear of death, that crisis at the moment, our mind got extremely focused. And whatever happened, that got so deeply imprinted that there is no need for repetition. Throughout your life, you're not going to forget. So this speaks that if you are the more the focus, the more your dhi, that kept the probability, the chance of retaining that in your mind is gets accelerated, gets enhanced. Now again, question that how to get that focus. Now you may say again that Ramakrishna had that focus. I don't have. Now, now something is very interesting that in our life, how the focus comes, that we give this example in some other context. A surgeon, while uh, standing in a bus stand to have a bus, to catch a bus, the bus is a bit delayed by 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He's fine that he's a bit uneasy. His legs are aching. The same surgeon who stands in the operation theater for eight hours without feeling any pain, any uneasiness. He conducts the operation without having a glass of water, without feeling the hunger, thirst, nothing, tiredness. That same person for 10 minutes standing in the bus stop starts feeling uneasy as if the legs are aching. Why it has happened? When the surgeon is on the operation theater, is extremely focused. He's extremely focused. His focus is so much on the end of the scalpel. Everything, the entire world has been forgotten. He's so focused that even his bodily alarm systems in the form of hunger, thirst, they have also stopped. The mind cannot take care of them because the entire mind is focused on the end of the scalpel so that he can do the operation successfully. 
Why he's so focused? There's a necessity. He knows very well. A little carelessness will be at the cost of the life of the patient. This sense of necessity gives the focus. Sri Ramakrishna, Swami Vivekananda used to say a wonderful thing. Do we really need religion? We say we are religious. But for us, religion is in the Swami Vivekananda very, in, a, in a very nice way. He jokingly used to say that our religion is just like an antique. In our house, I have the hobby of collecting various antiques. Among various antiques, there is one Feng Shui or one laugh, that laughing Buddha. Among many, that is also one. So Swamiji used to say that for us, religion is just that type of luxury. Among so many distractions of life, it is there. A little meditation, a little japa, a little calming down of the mind. But is it a necessity that without it, I cannot live? Now you will find that why Ramakrishna the D. From the childhood, when his elder brother was trying to get him educated in the academic education, the very first question what is asking, what's the use of this chal kala badha vidde? Very interesting that the Brahmins in the olden days used to go for doing some rituals with all their Sanskrit knowledge or maybe going for some discussion. At the end, as a, as a some remuneration along with the little money, what they used to give, they will, in a cloth, they will just put some rice, they will give some rice, some vegetables, that's chalkala. So just to earn this thing, all this knowledge, I don't want. I want that knowledge by which this, the one who is to, to be known can be known. So that's a very interesting thing that our learning is what uh, very that is there's a very funny story in the Calcutta University uh, that was written on the this, in one of the buildings in the top it was written the center of learning and because you know the all the rain and because of the weather that L got withered away that L got withered away and that's what all our center of learnings are it is all center of earning. And that's why we go for education. And that's the education we get. For what purpose? For the, for the purpose for which we get. And most probably in our life uh, that has some meaning. But for Ramakrishna, he understood from the very beginning that I don't want that. I want that by which the one who has to be known in this life, the only purpose for this human birth, that can be known. That sense of necessity gives the focus. That focus brings the dhi. So now you will understand that Ramakrishna, whatever, he was a Shrutidhar. Whatever he sees, the plays, the anything, whenever he finds it has something to do with the spirituality, it creates such a deep focus, uh, impression in the mind because of the tremendous focus. He has that sense of necessity. It never will be going to leave his mind. And that's the thing which Brinde have understood just by seeing Ramakrishna. That is a wonderful person. All the, the, the elites of Calcutta are coming. They are having discussion with him, but no one can in any way just challenge him. His knowledge is so vast, so profound in simple words. He can deal with even the learned uh, uh, Pandit Vidyasagar, with Keshav Chandrasen. He's so uh, free, spontaneous. 
very interesting uh, incidences are there in the life of Ramakrishna. Whenever he used to go for go to meet some learned person, he used to be very nervous. That you know that the top bottom of the shard, whether it should be open or closed, is to, to look civilized. That he will ask the other devotees, should I keep it open? Should I keep it closed? He was so tensed. The moment he goes there, he's a different person. As if that that's a, that's a, the lion is trying to break out of the cage. The Pinjaradiva Keshari, tremendous powerful. If he finds, if anyone is speaking something nonsense, he will be just simply brushing him off, whoever he may be. We find that Bankim Chandra Ghosh, the first graduate in India, that's graduate in India means the Indian, the first Indian to become a graduate is Bankim Chandra Ghosh. And he is, he was, a, he has a tremendous contribution in our Bengali literature. He was a district magistrate, an extremely reputed person. He came to meet Ramakrishna. And when Ramakrishna asked, what's the duty of human beings? And this Bunkim very casually told Ahar Nidra Maithun to have food, to sleep, and to beget children. Without this, we cannot live. Ramakrishna immediately became a different person. Immediately, he told him, that the what you eat, that you belch out. That's your, just see this person, the one who was just nervous, immediately he has changed as if the, the divine has possessed him and he's speaking from that authority, tremendous authority. And that's the Ramakrishna, which Brinde also have understood. And that's what she's saying. Oh, books, oh dear, no, they're all on his tongue. Aim had just finished his studies, his college, it amazed him to hear that Sri Ramakrishna read no books. M, perhaps it is time for his evening worship. May we go into the room? Will you tell him we are anxious to see him? Prinde, go right in children, go in and sit down. So there is no need for any formality, go in. Why that go in? Sri Ramakrishna used to say a very interesting thing. Shadhu ke dine degibi, rate degibi, tobe shadhu lejanbi. It's Bengali. Very interesting. That we need all privacy. Why? We need have we have something which we have to hide from the society. <laughs> That's the real reason for privacy. There are something which I have to hide from the society. Here is a person whose in and out is a spiritual being. Nothing is there to hide. So he's always, the doors are always open. Anytime anyone can come. So if you have really got established in a spiritual life, then the spirituality becomes 24 hours spiritual. It cannot be part-time spiritual. Spirituality cannot be a part-time affair. That I, I have seen that, that sometimes because of some other uh, intentions, the spirituality can be a part-time affair. In Kankhal Rishikesh, there are a lot of shatras that yeah, the, all the sadhus, they go for bhiksha and the food is available. It's always the food is available there. And now in India, you know, the poor farmers, there are some places the land is arid, only one uh, crop they get. What to do for the next of the year? They come and stay in some small kutiyas with the family in some places in, Dakshin, in uh, Kankhal, Rishikesh. And they, they, in some, you know, that in some hangar, some one ochre colored cloth will be hanging just by the side of the door. 
whenever the shatra is open they will wear and go because others unless they wear that gerua cloth they won't get bhiksha so they go and they get the bhiksha so we used to jokingly say they are all part time swamis so <laughs> just for so in spirituality actually there cannot be a part time affair if you are spiritual it has to be a 24 by 7 spirituality and if it's not it has to be at the beginning it's okay at the beginning we may be like a house fly as sri ramakrishna used to say sometimes sitting in the nectar sometimes in the filth but gradually the transformation should happen so that we become a honey bee we only sit in the nectar and ramakrishna was a transformed personality the honey bee always sitting in nectar what's the need for privacy the door is always open and brinda knew that that's what he's saying that perhaps it is a time for evening worship may we go to his room will you tell him we are anxious to see him bring the nose go right in children go in and sit down so that's the thing bring uh, the toll the entering the room they found sri ramakrishna alone seated on the wooden couch incense had just been burned and all the doors were shut as he entered aim with folded hands saluted the master then at the master's biding he and sidhu sat on the floor sri ramakrishna asked them what do you live what is your occupation why have you uh, why have you come to baranagar aim answered the questions but he noticed that now and then the master seemed to become absent minded later he learned that this mood is called bhava ecstasy it is like the state of the angler who has been sitting with his rod the fish comes and swallows the bait and the float begins to tremble the angler is on the alert he grips the rod and watches the float steadily and eagerly he will not speak to anyone such was the state of sri ramakrishna's mind so that's the things the master mahasaya is explaining that our natural state is a distracted mode through all our spiritual practices we try to uplift it to make it a bit calm for sri ramakrishna it's just the opposite it is always merging in the absolute he has to forcefully bring it down now and then it is going to samadhi constantly it is going to samadhi and just out of compassion for us the ramakrishna we like is the one who came out from the bhava from his samadhi from his spiritual practices and by being instructed by the divine mother be in bhava mukha that's the bhava mukha always is, is related to that realm of the divine and the mind is in the borderline of the noumenon and the phenomenon is never for, forgetful about that absolute uh, the reality which is his uh, real nature is never forgetful of that and from that this entire world has been projected ramakrishna himself speaks of a monk who appeared to be a mad cap was there in dakshineshwar for some time he always used to move around he always used to smile a wonderful smile and used to move around with a chandelier in his hand he will just go on the, uh, moving it so that the light sunlight falls on it and there is a various play of light and shade and he will go on saying kya maya hai that what's a wonderful play the god is playing what's the idea 
that the our this conscious principle reflecting through the mind, the mind is the chandelier, is creating this wonderful phenomenon. This phenomenon, we can see it in two ways. We can say it is unreal, it's a mere projection. Another way we can say it, it is true as long as the eternal truth is behind there to project it. What a wonderful projection. This projection is not something uh, which is devoid of the divinity. It is a divine which is projected as the universe. So that's the thing which is always in his mind. He's always seeing the absolute. When he's relating to the world, you know, he knows very well this world as such is not real. It is real because in essence, it is a spirituality which is projected as his universe. So he's always in this borderline. He used to say that the condition of his mind is like a fish, group of fish. The fish in the river, they also play. They have a playful attitude. What, how do they play? From one bank of the river, they will flow to the other bank and again come back. The stream of the river is flowing and they are just uh, going from one bank to the other. Why, why it is a play? Because the stream of the river tends to uh, make them flow at a distance, but they somehow make it a point that in spite of the flow, we will have to go and just touch the other bank and again come. So Ramakrishna used to say Bhava Mukha is something like that, like a fish, Bach Khala. This is called in Bengali, this colloquial language, they call Bach Khala, the fish going from one shot to the other. His mind was constantly shifting from the non-dual consciousness to the world of reality. Then that's why we find again and again, his mind is going immersing even while talking, it will immerse deep into the state of bhava, bhava samadhi. And that's what Master Masha in the very first meeting noticed that. So uh, M, perhaps you want to perform your evening worship. In that case, may we take our leave as they saw that he's going into state of samadhi. They thought that he needs some time for the spiritual practice. Sri Ramakrishna still in ecstasy. No, evening worship. No, it is not exactly that. So it is a wonderful thing that it is not exactly evening worship because Shankaracharya in one place has told a very nice thing. The spontaneous state of a realized soul is the sadhana for us. When we try to imitate that, the way a realized soul lives, if we try to imitate his way of life, that becomes a, spirit, becomes a endeavor for us. That is spontaneous for them. So for Ramakrishna, worship is over. He's a realized soul. That is a spontaneous state of existence. So it is not something specially he's doing. So that's why he's saying, no, evening worship. No, it is not exactly that. Because he has entered into a state of flow. That is a natural state. The others, when they come, they cannot relate to it. So Ramakrishna in a very simple way is saying that it is not exactly that. That means he's, there's no need for him to do that sandhya practices, spiritual realization has become a spontaneous uh, uh, occupation of his existence. That's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. After a little conversation, M saluted the master and took his leave. Come again. This is a very intoxicating word. Once you go to Ramakrishna and he says, come again. So you're gone. It's almost impossible. You, can, you have to. So you have been bitten by the cobra. There is no way out. So come again, Sri Ramakrishna said. 
On his way home, Aim began to wonder, who is this serene looking man who is drawing me back to him? Is it possible for a man to be great without being a scholar? How wonderful it is. I should like to see him again. He himself said, come again. I shall go tomorrow or the day after. Now the M's second visit. M's second visit to Sri Ramakrishna took place on the southeast veranda at eight o'clock in the morning. The master was about to be shaved, the barber having just arrived. As the cold season still lingered, he had put on a moleskin shawl bordered with red. Seeing M, the master said, so you have come, that's good, sit down here. Yes, it's really good that he has come back. He was smiling. He stammered a little when he spoke. Ramakrishna used to stammer. That was something, it was very sweet stammering. It was mild stammering. It actually made his conversation more sweet. Sri Ramakrishna to M, where do you live? M in Calcutta, sir. Sri Ramakrishna, where are you staying here? M, I am at Baranagar at my older sister's Ishan Kaviraj's house. Sri Ramakrishna, oh, at Ishan's. Well, how is Keshav now? He was very ill. So here, just uh, for your information, Ishan Kaviraj was Sri Ramakrishna's uh, physician. So that way, the moment he told that my elder sister, her elder sister was married to Ishan Kaviraj. So when he told Ishan Kaviraj, immediately Ramakrishna recognized, oh, he's the one who was his physician. That's why he told, oh, Ishan. So then the next question was, how is Keshav now? He was very ill. So Ramakrishna already came to know that uh, Master Mahashaya was uh, visiting Keshav Chandrasen. So he asked him about Keshav. And indeed, I have heard so too, but I believe he is well now. Sri Ramakrishna, I made a vow to worship the mother with green coconut and sugar on Keshav's recovery. Sometimes in the early hours of the morning, I would wake up and cry before her. Mother, please make Keshav well again. If Keshav doesn't leave, whom shall I talk with when I go to Calcutta? And so it was that I resolved to offer her the green coconut and sugar. You see, the one who was absorbed in Samadhi, totally secluded from the world, when he is in Bhava Mukha, he's eager to meet people. But at the same time, the person should be up to his uh, understanding. He should should relate to, it should be someone to whom he can relate. There were so, world, there were so many worldly-minded people in Dakshineshwar, all the other priests, all the temple uh, office holders, office bearers, they were extremely worldly minded. Sri Ramakrishna couldn't even just relate to them. Every day he used to go to the top of the temple, terrace, on the terrace of the temple, and he used to shout that, that mother has told me that many devotees will come. Where are you? He used to call. His call was gradually answered. It's be fine that Keshav is coming. Sri Ramakrishna in another place has told a very interesting thing that a hemp smoker hugs the other hemp smoker. You know, So when you can relate to a person, 
it can give you tremendous joy a hemp smoker the way he enjoys the smoking he cannot explain it to others but when another hemp smoker comes just seeing him simply is related he knows this is the person to whom i can relate so that's the reason for which sri ramakrishna is so elated when he has to he has to go to and see keshav chandra sen to him he could relate that it's not possible for all to relate to the words of ramakrishna sometimes very simple words can be very baffling you know for the first time when ramakrishna met keshav he saw keshav meditating along with the other brahmo devotees this incidents are so interesting and when they came back from meditation ramakrishna pointing keshav pointing to keshav he told that you are the only uh, tadpole you are the only tadpole whose tail has fallen off now all started laughing but no one understood what he's saying they just simply laughed but keshav immediately he immediately realized there must be some meaning behind those words he told her you just please stop this laughing let me ask the paramahansa what's the meaning of it just such simple word that ramakrishna could scan the inner being of person he saw all meditating for others he told that the i saw the others meditating it was just like the monkey sometimes you will find the monkey sitting quietly on your terrace you may think you are meditating but he that monkey is meditating but actually it is contemplating in whose house the plantains has got ripened so that i can give the next jump so that's what our meditation is so most of other people were having that monkey meditation all plants everything and that that's the time when you get the wonderful plants all things comes out the time of meditation uh, there's a nice uh, story that a wandering monk for few days came to a village and he was just uh, staying there he just was staying there he took his asana on uh, this beneath a tree for few days he was in a village they never stay for long for two three days he was there a shopkeeper of the village he somehow uh, resolved to get initiated by that monk he went fell flat at his feet and told oh swami please initiate me so the swami was kind enough to initiate him he was initiated and this monk left the village and for 10 12 years he never came back he's a wandering monk and by chance again he came back to that village after 12 years this shopkeeper immediately realized his guru he ran and fell flat at his feet and told oh swami guru you have done a wonderful means uh, uh, benefit in my life you have brought a wonderful well, what's the benefit you got Well, you initiated me, and now the monk was really curious. He thought that most probably he has progressed spiritually quite enough, and that's why he's so grateful towards me. Well, well, let well let me. What has happened? That after initiation, what all realization do you have? And this shopkeeper told a wonderful thing that previously, you know, that this all the village people always lend so many things. they will take the things and they will they will lend they won't give the money and i used to forget that who all has lended what they have lended what they have borrowed they are yet to pay i used to forget now after you gave the mantra when i set for meditation just a little two three times i repeat all comes back who has taken from me and that's our meditation that's our meditation uh, so wonderful so So Ramakrishna found that all others meditation is like that. Only Keshav he found 
the moment he sat for meditation, he was also as if in the world with the people, with busy with all the so-called organizational activities. But the moment he closed his eyes and sat for meditation, Ramakrishna found that he's the only person whose mind merged. He's having a qualitative meditation. Now, you know, the tadpole lives only in water. Amphibians have the capacity, the frog can live in water as well as on land. But as long as it is a tadpole, it stays only in water. When the tail falls off, then it develops the capacity to go in the land as well as in the water. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna Singh Keshav, first time he scanned his mind and he told, you are the only person whose tail has fallen. All others are still tadpoles. So just see this wonderful, the simple example. So this is the person. That's why Sri Ramakrishna is so elated to meet him. He can relate. Like a hemp smoker meeting the another hemp smoker gets elated. They will just go and embrace each other. So that's why Ramakrishna was so eager to meet Keshav. There was no worldly bindings. It was just that's the, because of that spiritual uh, realm in which they could relate. That's the binding. So when he found that Keshav is sick, if something serious happens, then with whom he could relate? He was so worried. So that's why he's praying to the mother. The mother, please that uh, cure him. Otherwise, with whom I will talk? And that's why he is actually going to the mother with some offering so that Keshav is healed. So that's mentioned. I made a vow to worship the mother with green coconut and sugar on Keshav's recovery. Sometimes in the early hours of the morning, I would wake up and cry before her. Mother, please make Keshav well again. If Keshav doesn't leave, whom shall I talk with when I go to Calcutta? And so it was that I resolved to offer her the green coconut and sugar. Tell me, do you know for a certain Mr. Cook who has come to Calcutta? Is it true that he is giving lectures? Once Keshav took me on a steamer and this Mr. Cook too was in the party. So Ramakrishna is just asking because he met Mr. Cook who came, uh, who was with Keshav and Ramakrishna was also invited to be in the steamer. There is, a, there is an episode in the gospel somewhere related that episode where with Mr. The, Mr. Cook was there, Keshav was there, Ramakrishna was there. It's a very interesting conversation there. We will come later on. So Ramakrishna is indicating that incident where he met uh, Cook and Keshav and he's asking that how is Cook, where is he? So after that Sri Ramakrishna, that Aim will reply, yes, sir, I have heard something like that, but I have never been to his lectures. I don't know much about him, Sri Ramakrishna. Pratap's brother, came here. He stayed a few days. He had nothing to do and said he wanted to leave here. I came to know that he had left his wife and children with his father-in-law. He has a whole brood of them. So I took him to task. Just fancy, he is the father of so many children. Will people from the neighborhood feed them and bring them up? He isn't even ashamed that someone else is feeding his wife and children and that they have been left at his father-in-law's house. I scolded him very hard and asked him to look for a job. Then he was willing to leave here. So very interesting that all the scriptures almost start in the same way. It is almost the beginning of the gospel. We find that this conversation is almost like 
Krishna reprimanding Arjuna. But Arjuna in the battlefield, just seeing his relatives there, he forgot his responsibility and he, his fear, that word fear is an acronym which, which can be uh, extended, elaborated in two ways. That forget everything and run. That's what we do. That's what our most of us equate spirituality with. That's what the spirituality gives us to forget everything and run. Yes, there are a few who do get the opportunity who have not entered into the family life. They have taken the decision and they, it is not they who have taken the decision. It's most probably the divine who has willed that they should choose that path. That's okay. But one has entered the family. He is having his responsibilities. Here we find with the entire this, this lot of children and suddenly we find he is leaving his wife and children with the father-in-law with a sense of that uh, spiritual, uh, this what you say that tremendous yearning, spiritual yearning is coming to Dakshineshwar and stay. Here we find Ramakrishna reprimanding that person the way Krishna reprimanded Arjuna. The same way he's reprimanded that it is you that fear is not forget everything and run. If for real spirituality, face everything and rise, F E A R, face everything and rise. If you have already married, that don't think that spirituality is just a closed chapter for you. Yes, it may be challenging, but it is possible. As you have the responsibility, you have already got entangled. You can simply not just uh, throw it off. It will be just like throwing the baby along with the bathtub water. It is just like when you have a headache. You cannot just simply behave yourself. Just as, as I have a headache to get rid of the headache, can you behave yourself? No. So that's that type of spirituality is something which is impractical. It is not possible for which Ramakrishna is reprimanding. That, but that doesn't mean that spirituality has stopped for him. He's, the spiritual journey can be anywhere for that the only condition is yearning, nothing else. If we have yearning, all the conditions are bound to become favorable in time. And you can practice spirituality in whatever situation you are. When there is a viraha, when the lover is missing, the uh, most probably the one who is in love with someone else. Or if the mother loves the child and the child most probably went for the school expedition, school camp. For a few days, the child is not at home. The mother may be doing all her household duties. Can she for a moment forget the child? Constantly the child will be in her mind. So if we really have the love for the divine, whatever situation we may be, it can never be forgotten. Each and every moment of the life, we have to remember the God if that yearning is there. That the yearning is the most important thing. As someone, as uh, you know, that uh, in the last in, uh, few decades back, when transcendental meditation became very famous, uh, Maharshi, this Mahesh Yogi's transcendental meditation. It is even now quite famous. So one of our Swami, a novice, he never knew what this transcendental meditation is. So he went to a very elderly Swami and asked him that, that nowadays this everyone is speaking of transcendental meditation. Do you have an idea what it is? The old Swami was a very jovial Swami. So he told, well, I also don't know what this transcendental meditation is. But uh, I don't uh, have any interest to know about it because Ramakrishna has taught me one particular meditation. What is that? It is called dental meditation. 
not transcendental, it is dental. And this uh, the young Swami will dental meditation. Well, yeah, Ramakrishna used to say, when you have a toothache, whatever you may be doing, can you forget that ache? It is always there. Whatever you are, that is the dental meditation. And that's what Ramakrishna came to teach. That if you have already got entangled in the responsibilities, develop that yearning, love for God, know it for certain, whatever you do, it will be there like the toothache behind your, on the background of your mind. You can never forget it. And without that, all this so-called external paraphernalia is not going to help you. If you are not, if the horse is not thirsty, you can take it into the water, but it won't drink. You can even thirst its mouth in the water, it won't drink. So the, it is not the external circumstances, it is the urge. That's the real factor. And so Ramakrishna is reprimanding that person. And then Ramakrishna is coming to Master Mahasha. So this is the thing where we find Master's ego will be totally, uh, what you say, for the for first and for the last time, his ego will be totally brushed out. So are you married? <laughs> M, yes, sir. Sri Ramakrishna with a shudder, oh, Ramlal, alas, he's married. As if he has done a big crime. <laughs> like one guilty in a, of a terrible offense, M sat motionless, his eyes fixed on the ground. He thought, is it such a wicked thing to get married? The master continued, have you any children? M this time could hear the beating of his heart. <laughs> he whispered in a trembling voice, yes, sir, I have children. Very sadly, Sri Ramakrishna said, ah, me, he even has children. <laughs> Very sadly, Sri Ramakrishna said that. Now, thus rebuked, M was speechless. His pride had received a blow. After a few minutes, Sri Ramakrishna now is saying the reason that why he's shuddering, looked at him kindly and said affectionately, you see, you have certain good signs. I know them by looking at a person's forehead, his eyes and so on. Tell me, now what kind of person is your wife? So we will go to that question next class. But this interesting that he by Sri Ramakrishna seeing a person that as we were saying that he could scan him as if he saw that good signs are there. And that's why he was eager to have him in his inner fold. Sri Ramakrishna was a master of examples in some other place in a very jovial way. You know, he told when uh, Naren came here to, his, to him for the first time, Swami Vivekananda came to him for the first time, he touched him and immediately Naren found that his mind is becoming thoughtless. Everything is as if dissolving. The phenomenal world is dissolving. And he got scared. He thought he's going to die. Immediately shouted, what are you doing to me? I have my mother. I have my father. And Ramakrishna again touched him and brought him back. And he told, okay, not now. It's, we find that immediately after a few days after this uh, uh, incident happened, Ramakrishna is saying something which is very funny, which you can relate with this also, this incident. What is that? That a ghost was in search of another companion. <laughs> and now there is a belief that if anyone dies in accident in the afternoon on Tuesday or Saturday, then that person becomes a ghost. Now this ghost one day saw a person on Saturday was doing some work standing on the uh, boundary wall of his uh, uh, residential, of his house. On, on the fence, he was standing 
most probably uh, to fetch some fruit from the trees. He got up on the wall and he was careless and he fell down. And he was totally sense, he, was, uh, he lost his consciousness. He was uh, senseless. He, 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 he lost his consciousness. He was just lying there. And this ghost was extremely happy elated that now I'm going to get one companion because it was Saturday afternoon. He fell and he was con he lost his consciousness. He was lying there. Uh, uh, so now he ran and just went near him thinking that he's going to get a companion. And this man just uh, immediately uh, sat up. He <laughs> got back his consciousness and he sat up. So Ramakrishna's condition that's of shuddering is this, that seeing the, all the signs, he thought now I'm going to get a really a company that can belong to my inner fold. And now all those things he's asking, are you married? Are you having children? And now he shudders. He has this man who was almost lying half dead has woke up with all these replies. No, he is married and he has children. And that's why he's shuddering. So now we'll continue with the Ramakrishna's that uh, conversation. And the next conversation is again very interesting. Uh, so that with, with that, we will continue again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Sri Ramakrishna Arpanamastur